Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Becky Robinson grew up in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon, and studied business at San Diego State University before she threw her everything into show business. A video she made of McDonald's wedding proposal gone awry went viral in the summer of 2015, leading to multiple gigs, first going undercover as an on-the-street correspondent for Funny or Die, then as herself showing off her freestyle rapping chops on MTV's Wild and Out with Nick Cannon. In 2018, Robinson went to Montreal to showcase with other new faces in the characters category, while also developing her own potential sketch comedy series with E. Comedy Central Center to Comic-Con 2019 in character is Techie Alan Gingrich. Now she's shopping her potential TV series to other networks, while also showing off her range in her first headlining tour called Snow Circus. She sat down with me as herself in New York City just before her launched at Gotham Comedy Club. So let's get to it! So, Becky Robinson... Let me just get a little whipped cream on my mouth before yes. we start. Get that whipped cream mustache going. Oh, God, that's good. Oh, that's holiday. Mm. <laughs> so, welcome to New York City. Thank you so much. You're here for, I believe, the start of Snow Circus? Yes, sir. So, please, last things first, tell us all about Snow Circus. Okay. Oh, my God, where do I even begin? I'm dog. So... It all started inside a snowflake. No, I I started headlining when I was like too young. You know, I was on Wild and Out. How uh, old were you when, when you were on Wild and 16. Out? Sixteen. Okay. No, I was not sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> but then I started headlining, and I was like trying to do an hour, you know, and uh, and then I just kind of realized like I was like trying so hard to do this like hour of regular material. Like you have to be a comedian. Like this is what you do. Just do an hour of stand-up and then I, I like it took me so long to realize like oh I'm so unhappy with this and the only reason I got into comedy is because I enjoy laughter I, I people feel so much pain and I want to make people laugh and I was like why am I doing this in a wrong way that's giving me pain so I kind of realized and a lot of people inspired this. I watched, you know, I, I started seeing some specials and I, and I started watching some friends' content on Instagram and I started seeing some friends doing different things on stage and, I, and it kind of reminded me like, oh yeah, you can, yeah, we got in, the, we can do whatever we want on stage. Mm-hmm. Whatever we want. People are just coming to see the show. So I created these characters and, um, and a show ultimately that I was like at the bottom at, at, at minimal levels every night I do this I'm gonna have fun and the audience is gonna have fun that's all I care about so because I keep I don't know why if, if it's I'm a, a comic and I'm sad or whatever but mm-hmm. like what we do we're so blessed and like gifted and I keep thinking about death <laughs> Oh God! And I'm Wait, like, why do you keep thinking about death? I don't know. Have you experienced it, like in close family members or friends, or? Yeah, my mom had a brain tumor and breast cancer, and like both of her sister died when she was 45 of breast cancer. So I've just I've seen a lot, and I just like I know every day is not promised, and I just like I think I spent about. LA just fucks you up. Mm -hmm. And I got so caught up in being like, this is what I should do, and this is who I should be. And it's like, I started stand-up in San Diego and then moved to LA, and and then I was automatically, like, doing shows with the biggest comics, and I, like, I just got, I think, just got a little too in my head, and I was like, I think this is, this is what you're supposed to do. And I wasn't really thinking as an individual. Okay. You know? And so, I finally was like, all right, what 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 can I do that's like fun and makes sense? And I started doing these characters that are truly all little pieces of me. They're all inspired by people I've met or experiences I've had or feelings or emotions. And 
and they've all resonated with people to the point where they've sent me messages that like fucking makes me cry I don't mean to sound like a emo menstruating pussy but I am on my period (laughs) you're wearing a Planned Parenthood shirt so you get it I'm trying to you know (laughs) just trying to fit into the ever changing world we live in um well you know when I think about it everything that I've seen you do has not been straight traditional stand up what have you seen me do the first time I saw you was the character showcase at Just for Laughs. Oh, okay. And then I've seen you with the Funny Dance show. Okay, you came to the, the taping? No, I came to one of the monthly shows at the uh, oh. Belly Room. Oh, was it me and Chris store. Red? Yeah, it was you and Chris Red. I flipped in that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you flipped on me at one point. Were you in the front row? Yeah. No, you were not. I was in the front row. Oh yeah, Justine saved me a seat in the front row. And I was like, okay. Oh, that was such a great show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, Chris um, and I went. He was shooting uh, Disjointed at the time on uh, the Warner Brothers lot. That was the Netflix show that he did before. Yeah, Saturday yeah, yeah. Night. And we had to rehearse, and like he was always shooting, so I had to go. I went to Warner Brothers, and we had to rehearse the whole thing, like in the yard, right outside of wherever they shot whatever show. Mm-hmm. And the tours kept going by when we were practicing the flip. <laughs> That's got to be nice for the tour because they have no idea what they're seeing. No idea. But they just know, oh, no this idea. is show business. <laughs> yeah, it Forget was, about it was, Ellen DeGeneres. It was show Let's business. Show me more of this Yeah, business. it was show business as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit was insane. I have pulled my groin and my puss and my pecs so many times. I, I'm the kind of person I, that, like, I give too much. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised that you would say any of that because... From what I've seen of you, the one, the word that I would use to describe you, and I don't know you that well, the yeah. word I would describe you would be fearless. Just like the commitment to well, a you bit. Went, you ain't wrong, baby. So fearless, do, fearless is spot on. I grew up a gymnast, so that was kind oh, okay. of deep-rooted, I think. In Portland, Oregon? Tigered, Oregon. Okay. Tigered, goddamn Oregon. Cul-de-sac. Was... was was gymnastics, was that your thing or was that something like your parents were like, we think our kid's going to be an Olympic <laughs> gymnast? I don't know. I was, I was an accident. I was an accident, which I just told you before. But uh, There are no accidents. <laughs> They're all planned. <laughs> so, I don't know. I was ice skating and doing like flips and stuff. I think I was just, I had a lot of energy. So mm-hmm. my parents were like, we got to figure out where to put her. Okay. And the gym seemed to work so right. then well, I, I got really crazy and I just Tanya like, Harding was around there so she was that might steer you away from figure skating and into I know gymnastics. well there came a point where my parents were like okay look we can hardly afford any of this but we can afford one of them so do you want to ice skate or do you want to do gymnastics and I was like gymnastics okay how long did you stick with that for gymnastics yeah uh, until I was until I had no friends <laughs> <laughs> Not even gymnast, not even fellow gymnast. No, you know I quit when everyone around me was like getting so hurt, okay. like so brutally injured. Uh, I quit when I was I think thirteen. Okay. Are you good on your recording? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Um, I was thirteen. I was in seventh grade, I think. Um, and all everyone was like blowing their arms off and like getting uh, metal inserted to fix them and. Is that and their hips be blown out on the on the balance beam? And is that I, because of the nature of gymnastics itself, or is that because the sport is just so competitive that people will? Uh, both, for sure. Okay. I mean, you always are like, trying new things, and it's dangerous. And like your coaches can spot you for a while, but then you got to try to. It's like your coaches are like, "All right, throw it," mm-hmm. and you throw it, and. Sometimes that shit doesn't work out. And not enough padding. I used, the world to have is gonna... a, I used to have a joke where I'm like, I lost my virginity to a balance beam because I like straddled it accidentally trying a new trick and blew my clit out. And <laughs> good thing Ti wasn't your father, at least. <laughs> Dude, I love Ti. <laughs> Wait, why do you say that? Wasn't he? Wasn't he just in the news for me? Oh, about his daughter's dying. <laughs> And her daughter's like, no, it's a balance beam. It's 
was not. Um, okay. So basically, I just I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Everyone was getting brutally hurt. I kind of I kind of like took stock of my life, and I was like, when I was there's a video of me as a kid, which is part of Snow Circus. When I'm like. And I don't remember ever saying I was going to be a comedian, but there's a video I found when I was a kid, and I'm bouncing a tennis ball, and okay. my teeth are so fucked up, because <laughs> I sucked my thumb until I was like 80. Thanks, baby. And, uh, and <laughs> I'm bouncing this tennis ball, and my mm-hmm. dad's like, so what's going on in your life right now? And I was like, well, for starters, I'm about to go into like third grade. When I grow up, I'm going to be a comedian. And then when I get really old, like 30, I'm going to be a singer. <laughs> That's what I said. Now I'm almost going to be 30. Like, I'm getting close. And I'm like, what the fuck? How's your singing I voice? Gave my- <laughs> fuck you for asking. <laughs> it's fine. I've had to sing on a couple of voiceover jobs, and I love it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like anyone can kind of sing, you know? But adult you doesn't recall... 13-year-old you having no. this comedy No, because I just remember going to... And maybe I was just so, like, frazzled at the time, but I remember people asking, like, when did you know you were going to... People are always like, when did you know you were going to be a comedian? And it's like, I fucking... I don't know. I don't know. Well, to me, the question is more, like, what were you watching? Like, who inspired you when you were a kid to even think that was a possibility? <laughs> funny things inspired me to be goofy. That's it. Was anyone goofy in like, your I don't, family? I don't think watching a comedy special ever made me be like, I'm going to be a comic. Mm-hmm. But when I first saw Austin Powers and Mike Myers play all those characters, I was right. like... That's Get a, my th- belly! That's... Get in my belly! <laughs> Um, See, that's wh- why you're the professional and I'm the... No, yeah, that was good. That was good. Okay. That was really good. <laughs> but I just like... It's like I was raised by a family that's very much like... My parents came from nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they used to be like... Our parents used to have to decide whether they wanted to spend money on medicine or food. And like my dad just worked so hard and like the to get to where he was. So me being a comic was like not... Okay, for a while. Really? At first, yeah. Okay, so, but that wasn't the plan when you go from so, Oregon to San Diego, was so it? So I went to business school at San Diego State. Okay, so that's I, I was studying a good business plan. to like be like, Dad, sorry, <laughs> I'm doing it. Not sorry, but I was like, Look, Dad, I'm gonna be a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. But Were in the back of my that? head, okay. the whole time I was like, I'm gonna be in the business of entertainment. Period. Okay. That so was, you're learning that was show like business. my life motto was like, either way, it's the business of entertainment. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. I'll figure it out as I go. And then it, it wasn't until my first day moving into the dorms, I met these girls that like basically told me I was funny. Mm-hmm. And you just met the cheetah girls. Yeah, I was gonna say. So you're, you're here I, in New York with a contingent. All well, I have an cheetah, entourage with me and that, cheetah jackets. <laughs> Um, the cheetah girls. I grew up so, with people who were like so fucking funny, and I don't know if everybody says that or what, but mm-hmm. like these these girls are the funniest fucking people. And they're friends. Just from naturally, or no, we all grew up Oregon. together. Okay, kindergarten. Oh wow. Yeah, and we've gone in and out in terms of like friendship. Like mm-hmm. went our separate ways, had debacles. You know, mm-hmm. two of them weren't friends for like forever, and we've reconnected and it's just this beautiful thing and I but when I went to college I didn't know anybody I just knew I wanted to get out of Oregon I wanted to go to UCLA um, so I could study like TV production but I was, the only way I could get in was for a track scholarship and I quit track because I got really into snowboarding because I lost my virginity to a pro skier <laughs> I, how'd you break it to the balance beam but the balance beam was not really the first. Well. Or how'd you make it to the Here's the, the thing. There was blood multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I experienced a lot of blood. I've said this before. He made me bleed one time and I looked at him and I said, we're blood brothers. 
You are a comedian. I'm not good with men. <laughs> and then okay. I also dated a guy who was like, you're a man. You uh-huh. should transition. Annoying. Wow. It's the last I'll ever date a comedian. So. Okay, so. So you're in San Diego instead of L.A. So I go to San Diego because I can't get into UCLA because Lord knows I didn't have the academics. I did all right, but like didn't, you know, sports took precedence over everything for me. At what point um, in at what point in college did you start finding actual professional comedy? Well, the people I met in the dorms, I met three girls, Kendall, Jane, and Haley, and they just like they thought I was so funny, mm-hmm. and they kept telling me that. And I just like I didn't think that. Because I came from a hometown where it's like we all thought we were, you know, on a level. And I didn't know I was, like, funny. I just thought I was regular. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of, like, got me thinking maybe I could try something with this, you know. And then I went to a frat party. I rushed a sorority at first because um, I thought that's the only way you could make friends in college. That's what they said at San Diego State. It was, like, very political, and, like, all the girls were so hot. So I went to all these rush things, and I was, like, sprinting. And then at one point, one girl was like, Honey, you have a little bronzer brush on your chest. And she, like, pulled it off, and it was literally a chest hair, a black chest hair. And I was like, I don't fit here. Like, these girls aren't okay with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is not my tribe. They're such bitches. They were such bitches for so long. And now they're nice to me because I'm verified on Instagram. But, like, they they were not nice, dude. They, like, they had perfect butts and abs. And, like, I don't know. They care about different things and, like, social status. And I was a weirdo. And So sorority life was not for you. So I dropped out of that and uh, joined the snowboard team. And um, my 21st birthday is the first time I did stand-up. I can't quite remember how I got there. I know my sister knows better, but I guess I had been talking about it. Mm-hmm. I think to my sister. Right. My, my sister's... That's, this sounds like a my, planned thing. My sister's really... On your birthday. My sister's the funny one. I'm mm-hmm. not. But she's the middle child, so she's really emo. Okay. So she would always say really funny things to me, and then I would say them out loud as the youngest. Like, look at me, look at me, I need attention. You know? Uh, so it's like a ventriloquist act. I guess. <laughs> you were I'm dummy. a puppet. Yeah. 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 And then on my 21st birthday, she came down with some other friends from Portland, and they were like, you're going to do an open mic. Okay. So literally eight of us piled into like, I don't even know what kind of car this was, but it was like a submarine, some sort of Toyota submarine vehicle. Do you remember those cars that came out? They were like, <laughs> they were like, like, like they giant were like SUVs. They were like Toyota. Um, cheetah Gordita Large. <laughs> I forget what they were called. They're not a Highlander. They're not a Forerunner. They were like, I don't Larger. know. Yeah. So, like, a hundred of us piled mm-hmm. into this thing. Okay. And went to the La Jolla Comedy Store, and I did my first open mic, and I was terrified. But did you have material? What did you do? Yeah, I had I had some stuff written. It was all sexual. Okay. It was actually all about, like, being not flexible mm-hmm. and, like, guys trying to force you into positions that you can't really finagle, because I thought that was really funny at the time. What did you, when you got off stage? What did you think of the experience? Well, my first set was very drunk. I was hammered, but I was like, I killed it. <laughs> I like I was that asshole that brought thirty people to my first open mic, you know. Um, and then I did stand up like that. We'll call it your experience because you have an outsized amount of support. Yeah. So the feedback is not natural. Yeah, of course not. But either way, like, again, why I got into it was just like, okay, let's just have fun with this. Let's talk about stuff that makes me feel weird and see if people laugh. So I did, like, 
a few more sets and then the like comedy community of San Diego recognized that I was like in college and I felt a little bit abused because they were like they asked me to headline a show that like obviously I'm could never headline anything I've just started right but they knew I could bring people uh, so okay. I agreed to it and like bombed so hard I ran home crying and like a bunch of like coworkers and like college friends were there and I just like I was like I don't know if I ever want to do this again like I don't know why I'm putting myself through this this is like this fucking sucks you how know long, how long did it take you to get over that um well, that happened, and this other thing happened that were both so bad. I did that, and then they asked me to do a TEDx SDSU talk. Uh, you know TED, yeah. TED Talks, TEDx? Right, they're the satellites. Yeah, of, so of TEDx TED Discovery was the theme. Okay. And I had joined a business fraternity. A business fraternity? Yeah, which was so gnarly. <laughs> Okay, so what did you discover, or what did they? So they go. What do they want you to? So discover? they basically had like some. They had the, they had the dais already set up mm-hmm. of people who like were wildly accomplished, and they were like, "Can you do twelve minutes of stand up as kind of like an interstitial breakup okay. for the night? Not like as a." like blow off thing but like just to so it's not so heavy on the crowd and I had been doing stand up for like two weeks and they were like can you do 12 clean minutes and I was like no problem I had one anal joke at the time (laughs) sorry roadhead joke I had one roadhead joke at the time and I was like yeah no problem so Mm -hmm. I wrote this set that was like truly so bad that once I did it I I had to email so many people to get them to take it offline because I was like this is so (laughs) fucked up it was so not okay. And it was like professionally filmed by like eight. It was like a sitcom filming. <laughs> and the person who went before me, which in my opinion, th- I think this is the coolest thing you can do as a performer is make an audience cry, laugh, cry, whatever. If you can make an audience like go through a range of emotions like that. Yeah. I think that's the best, you know, thing you can do as a performer. Even in movies. It's like if you're crying and laughing, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, and that's what the movie The Holiday does for me, and that's why I watch it seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> and Dumb and Dumber. But um, which part of Dumb and Dumber makes you cry? When the pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> <laughs> no, when when Lloyd falls in love, I just relate, and he like grabs his heart, and he's like, ah, ah. <laughs> Flying somewhere, it's just like, God damn it! I don't know. I love Dumb and Dumber so much. Uh, so it it's amazing to to think, to know, to be reminded that you can be brand new in comedy, and people in show business will give you opportunities that you're not ready for. Yep, it's so important, and it takes a long time to like and reflect. You say yes, because you yeah. you don't know. I'm a yes man, you know? And you also, you want everything to be happening. So you're like, yeah. oh, it's happening. You're like, yeah, wait, I am this person, so I should do this. I am a superstar. Yeah. Somebody's recognizing me. And I just, you know, you're not ready for certain things. But I think it's good. I think it's good to put yourself through that. I wouldn't say say no to things, because then mm-hmm. you'll never learn anything. Like, I've made mistakes, but I've like I've learned so much from them. How, how did how did those early experiences prepare you for when you moved from San Diego to LA? Well, um, bombing. It just bombing bombing two times that like on those things made me just realize like okay, uh, let's like let's work hard at this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's figure out what what we what we want to say. <laughs> you know, and 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 who our audience is and what we want to say to them. Um, I moved to LA and I was like, I moved to LA and I was convinced. I was like, I meant to do something in performance. That was all I knew. But I also, in the back of my head, and this is because of my family, I was like, I'm gonna get a regular job first. 
because my parents, so when my parents found out I was doing stand-up, they basically called me crying. My mom called me crying. And she was like, how could you do this to us? Like, this is not okay. Like, this is not something that our family, like, I'm running into people at the grocery store and, like, I'm hearing that you're saying vulgar things and all this stuff. Oh. And it broke my fucking heart because our my family were so close. And uh, I just, I don't know. Everything has been, like, fine, but... Whatever, I was in accidents. So I was like, expect. I was pissed also because I was like, you motherfuckers raised me like this. You said the most fucked up shit to me when I was growing up. <laughs> you told me I was an accident when I was six, you little bitches. I like, learned it from watching you. You know? My dad is the funniest person I know. It was like, how could you not expect this? But they're just like Midwest working class people, mm -hmm. you know? So they were just like, how can you be talking about these things publicly? Like, I'm running into friends at the grocery store, and they're like, have you seen your daughter? And it wasn't until I got on TV that they were like, oh, our daughter's mm. cool. Okay. Which is kind of annoying, but whatever, I get it. But As a parent, I get it. They were just worried, and they only want the best for their kid, and I, I completely understand it. So in the meantime, you figured you'll get a regular job. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to LA. I'm going to get a full-time job so that, because my parents paid for my college. Um... So they want a return on their investment. Exactly. Uh, I got very lucky with that. I don't have student loans or anything. So they paid for my college. So I was like, I just need to be free of, like, financially free so I can do whatever I want and, and it won't matter. So I moved to L.A. I lived on my friend's couch. I interviewed for, like, a thousand jobs. Had a couple gnarly ones. Um, <laughs> You're shaking your head. Gnarly jobs that you ended up doing? Not doing. Oh, okay. Oh, I've done some gnarly things. <laughs> <laughs> but most of that's on video. Uh, no? Well, shit. How many, okay, how many jobs did you have in L.A. before, you, so, before okay. you worked for full screen? That was my first job. That was your first job? So, yeah, yep. Okay. So I interviewed for a bunch of things. My friend Nikki's dad worked for Fox. Mm -hmm. So she, like, got me this great interview with these two guys who worked in, like, TV sales. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had the shit in the bag. I was like, oh, these guys love my ass. They were like golfers. I was like, they're my dad. Mm -hmm. They're like little cigar smoking, probably me tooing people that'll come out later. Like, they were not good guys. Right. But I was like, I think I can work these guys. And through business school, they had told me that you always send a follow-up thank you card after an interview. Mm-hmm. So shortly after the interview, like the next couple days, I, I returned to the office on Avenue of the Stars in Hollywood, which is where like all my agents work. And I went to hand deliver a thank you card to them for the interview. <laughs> and security was really tough the day I went in for the interview. And for some reason that day, they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to go up. Everyone's at lunch. And I was like, perfect. I'll just drop off the card. I'll be chill. Yeah. I go up. I bump into the two guys as they're leaving with some little Geppetto with them. And they uh -huh. go, what are you doing up here? Why are you here? And I was like, oh, God. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> I was just dropping, uh, just dropping off a thing. <laughs> just, just, um, leaving a note. <laughs> and they were like, okay, uh, we'll put it there and then we'll take you down in the elevator. And so, basically, right after they walk me out, we ride the elevator down. They go, what are you doing this weekend? I freeze up, and I'm like, I, th I think I said I was, like, going surfing. I was like, sure. they were so intimidating and sketchy. Like, uh -huh. I feel like they for sure did bad things to women, you know? So, it's a good thing you didn't end up oh, working there. Oh, thank God. And not my friend's dad, but, like, these two guys that worked at Fox. They were just, like, old-school TV execs that you can tell have done some fucked-up shit, you know? A little too comfortable. Yeah. And so they take me down the elevator, and they're like, yeah, thanks so much for coming by, but, like, sarcastically. So I leave. I get in my car. I start fucking crying my eyes out. Called my mom. I was like, dog, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna make it in this town. 
And uh, and then right after HR called me and she goes, "Hey, just want to let you know they we just we hired someone else." So yeah. she like let me know. So that's why it was so awkward that I came and <laughs> hand delivered a fucking thank you card. They're like, "We didn't hire her. Why is she here?" <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I thought you guys want to get brunch or something. Like, they were like, why the fuck are you here? And I was wearing such a color. You know when you wear, like, a really obnoxious outfit? <laughs> I did that that day. Nice. Couldn't have been more wrong. But full screen went better. So, then I got hired at full screen. What so, was your job at full screen? Um, I, God, what was the title? I don't even know. Basically, my job was to upload and optimize YouTube channels for uh, TV networks. Oh, okay. So, like, NBC was one of the biggest clients. So, I would, like, and Oprah and Queen Latifah when she had a talk show. Um, so, so, they were, so like... They, they worked with full screen to manage their YouTube channels. Uh-huh. Okay. Full screen was, uh, is it, like, a digital agency? Or, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know what they are now, but yeah, they were like yeah, a, they, they were they a startup now. at the time. So I thought that was really exciting. What year was this? Um, I graduated college in 2013, so 2013. Okay, maybe like or maybe 2014 so when I, I eventually. They were also in the business of like developing original web series. Yeah, now they are. Okay. Um, but they basically. But that's not what you were doing. You were just uploading videos. No, I just wanted to get a full time job. Mm-hmm. So I could have money, insurance, and do stand-up at night. That was, like, it. That was it. Okay. I was like, this is the plan. We'll get a job. We'll do stand-up at night. And we'll figure it out. Had you made your, any of your own videos at that point? Or no? Uh, some. Like, in college and stuff, I made short films. But not, like, professionally. They were all so stupid. Okay. But I had done this thing called LaMarcus and Gentry. <laughs> what? Someone just asked me the other day, like, what was your first character? And I remember me and my friend Jane made this little thing called LaMarcus and Gentry. I was Gentry. Okay. So when I first started... I thought you were, I thought when you were, I first started, I thought you were talking about a uh, player for the Trailblazers. <laughs> Aldridge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I first started stand-up, like, people used to call me Gentry. Okay. That was, like, my stage name. I used to wear this do-rag and stuff and, like... Whatever. We made little weird short videos. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyways, yeah. What was the question? Well. Oh, how had I made videos? Yeah. Had you made videos? So, okay. So then here's what was a real integral part of that job was that, A, it made me get up at the crack of dawn every morning and go to work and not fall into like any L.A. bullshit of like drugs and alcohol and stuff. Right, because you're uploading videos There's a lot of that, people, from the East Coast. <laughs> so I mean, they're coming. I was working to, like you need to do it early I was in the literally working from like eight until one a.m. It was mm-hmm. insane. And then there were times when I would like get a little drunk on wine when mm-hmm. I'd have to upload Jimmy Fallon's videos, and I'd be like, "Should I upload my own stand-up?" <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> but you didn't. I didn't. <laughs> but uh, no, because I'm a good person and, yeah. I, and I have a heart, and I would never do that because I would probably would have been sued for everything that, whatever. Um, so I met this guy though that worked in a different department at Full Screen. Okay. That kind of worked in like the um, I don't even know what department it was, but basically like seeded videos to make them go viral. Mm-hmm. Um. And he shot stuff himself, and he acted and did all this stuff. And I was like, I did this character. Like, do you want to come shoot this thing? I have an idea. And so he had the idea, or you had the I idea. Did. Okay. And I, well, I found out that he did this stuff. Okay. I forget how we like initially kindled, but um, he came and shot my my very first Alan Gingrich segment, uh, Alan at the Santa Monica Pier. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, was the best work I've ever done. <laughs> Beginner's he, luck. Yeah, it's definitely. hard to find film crews. In my experience, since I've worked with like TV networks and mm-hmm. just like friends, strangers, whatever, day hires, like this guy is the shit. Because you have to, you have to have a level of like not give a fuckery to right. do what we do and to like broach people and whatever they're doing for the night to interview them or whatever. <laughs> 
and he was doing a lot of Great, fake gorilla. It's gorilla, gorilla comedy. Yes. Yeah. And he was doing a lot of that on the side too. Uh huh. He did this video where he like fake shot a shotgun through his roof that went super viral, and at the time, like you make you make like five grand off that, so it was just like. He loved he loved that little side business, yeah. And then kind of like we started riffing on that, and we were like, whatever. Okay, so the first video you shot with him was Alan your ca- at the, Alan, Alan Gingrich at the Santa Monica, Santa Monica Pier. Pier. Okay. Yeah. Did how did that go viral or no? No. What was the response to it? Good, very good. <laughs> I mean, great. I've I've used pieces of that for so many things. It's the best work I've done. I swear <laughs> to God. At that time, something happened that night that was special. Okay. Sometimes you're on and sometimes you're off. Yeah. That night was special. Um, well, because a lot of those things are improvised, right? It was all improvised. Yeah. I was just like, hey, there's these things that happen at Santa Monica where they throw these concerts. Do you want to go shoot? Mm-hmm. And I'll be Alan. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. We shot for like three hours. It took me like forever to edit because it was like so much crazy shit. That reminds me of how Fred Armisen's comedy career started. How did his start? He did improv at South by Southwest where he interviewed musicians in character. Oh. He was in character? Yeah. Like how crazy of characters. I forget, but loose versions of himself or the musicians didn't know. So he's interviewing them. Yeah. That's crazy. So it's kind of the same thing. People yeah. don't know. They're just people like, don't know. So what we I don't would, know. they have a camera. They must be important. Exactly. So what we would do to add another level to that is uh, we would make um, we put company flags on the microphone. <laughs> so we put Mashable ah, logo on the microphone. Okay. So people are like, "This is for Mashable." I gotta get on it. <laughs> Even this woman who was smoking weed, who was so awesome. She's like, mm-hmm. she's interviewing for Mashable. <laughs> Sorry, he. She would say he. Right. Uh, can we get some more water whenever you get a sec? Oh, wait, no, it's here. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Just wanna make sure we're fully lubricated. Uh, so, okay, so how many. So we made how- that video, and mm-hmm. then shortly after. I did a set at Flappers. I was deathly ill with, like, a gnarly winter cold. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, lined up to do some stupid fucking comedy contest at Flappers. And I do not... I'll never do comedy contests. I think that's the most not bullshit even, thing ever. Not even like, lovely downtown. Why would night? you ever compete with comedy? Like, it's not a competition thing. But that's America, but and that's what they to, love. Yeah, it's an and that's TV and money and fuck it. So... I just went, I did the set, mm-hmm. I was like super sick, and then this woman came up to me after, named Geraldine, and she was like, I am obsessed with you, when can <laughs> I see you again? And I was about to play the improv for the first time, and I was like, I'm at the improv on Tuesday, do you want me to put you on the list? And she's like, I got it. I didn't know she was working in Burlstein Management. Oh. Nice. I just thought, random Geppetto from the audience. And you were just doing stand-up or characters stand up. Okay. Just stand-up at the time. So, so she came to the show. She managed me for about five years. She was the best manager ever. She uh, sent me a thing for Nikki Glazer's show, Not Safe, with Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. I submitted to write for it. They Skype interviewed me. I took a shot of Fireball right before the Skype interview. (laughs) That's Uh, not safe. And then I got the job. Yeah. And uh, was this before or after you made the uh, McDonald's proposal video? I don't remember. Must have been after. Okay. Uh, I don't know. No, after for sure. Because that yeah. was your first video that actually Went, did go viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I quit my full-time salary insurance ball sack job mm-hmm. to write for Nikki for. Th- like three weeks. It was just her pilot. Oh, okay. I didn't get hired. I didn't get hired back to write for the show. Like I literally, oh, man. I quit. And okay, so here's what's crazy is that I worked on the Culver Studios lot, which is where Mel Brooks's office is. Mm-hmm. And Mel Brooks works every day because he's uh, insane, I think. And I was always too scared to talk to him when I saw him. But the day that I 
quit officially, uh-huh. I ran into him literally as I was walking out of the office. Uh-huh. And I was like, Mel, I just quit my job. I'm going to I'm gonna try to be a comedian full time. And he grabbed me and goes, you got an agent? You got to have a good agent. If you don't have an agent, you don't have shit. <laughs> and I was like, I said I do, even though I didn't. Oh, no. I literally told, I lied to Mel you Brooks. lied to Mel Brooks. <laughs> I was like, I do, I do, I do, because I had a manager. But if you didn't, he could have gotten you a great agent, right? No, he no, didn't he know was, me. He wasn't offering They're going to do game. anything to me. You could have gone, Mel, I don't. Who do I get? Also, Mel Brooks drives Who's a, your agent? <laughs> Mel Brooks drives a Toyota Highlander, which is insane. That's not the name of the submarine vehicle. <laughs> I haven't thought of it, but I know that's not it. It's like some sort of a Hummer. Yeah. All right. Okay, so. So I leave so my full time job, job. But bright side of that, I you leave get my full time job. You get to meet Mel Brooks. Well, yeah, I talked to Mel Brooks. I'm <laughs> as like, you, as you quit your job, I'm like, we're on, on we're on a journey now. On your way to the. To your I'm car. like, this is we're gonna figure this out. No matter what, we're gonna figure this out. I got this, you know. So, so I write. I work with Nikki's show for a few weeks, mm-hmm. whatever. And it was like the holidays, and then uh, did odd jobs for a while. Definitely did a couple sketchy things. Did like mostly stand up things. Mm-hmm. Like I was a bartender, which I low key always kind of wanted to be a bartender. And I would love to play a bartender on a TV show. I just think it's like... There, there are performance aspects to it. Totally. Yeah. I just think they're, yeah, the good people. And uh, But at one point, I definitely, like, quote-unquote, uh, bartended a party bus crew of doctors on a journey from L.A. to Las Vegas. Oh, no. And two of the women, like, had their tits out and stuff. I didn't do that. I was just, like, trying to make connects. I was like, would you guys want to come to a show? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be at the improv on Tuesday. I played it pretty chill, but I also felt so dirty, you know? But it was whatever. The money was, like, so good that I was like, fuck it. This is not what Mel Brooks had in mind (laughs) for you. But it was like, you have to survive, you know? I was like, I left my full-time job. It was like, you have to figure this out. So it was like, okay, use whatever looks you have right now to make some money. And it was like two grand for the day. I didn't get naked. I didn't have, I never like fucked anyone or anything for money. Jesus. Jesus. But you felt pressured. Well, I just felt gross. To do gross things? I was or? like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a hired as, I think it was called like Hot Bartenders LA. Okay. And there was this 40-year-old woman that, like, took her top off. And I just remember being like, this is not chill. Tits for tips? I guess it, whatever. Fuck it. Something but like that? I don't know. Um, people weren't super pleased when she pulled her top off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they would have much preferred. That happens with me, too. Oh, yeah. It happens with me, too. Um, Sean. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, I don't believe so, that. So I bet we, every time you take your shirt off, people jizz uncontrollably. <laughs> they convulse. We're not here to talk about me. Yeah, we are. <laughs> what, okay. So what was the light at the end so of the then, for you? So then um, a bunch of things happened, yada, yada, yada. I bartended for a while. And then my friend John um, was like, Do you want, was working at Funny or Die. And was okay. like, hey, there's this thing. Do you want to come in? Yada, yada. And then they eventually were looking for a woman. To be a part of their like social team. Okay. And, and you're like, I worked at full screen. I know social. No, no, but I like, I did. I, I have mashable microphones. <laughs> I I did like a couple Snapchat things for them, and then went in and like did some sort of live stream thing that lasted for like 19 hours. That was oh, like wow. also an interview for the job. Yeah. And we all just, like, hit it off. And and they hired me as an in-house, like, social character correspondent, basically. Which is the best thing I could have ever imagined. Right, because Funny or Die has some cachet and they have money, so they can send you to... What did they send you to? All over the place. Just, like, stand-up. Like, cities that you're like, why am I here? (laughs) Orlando, Des Moines, you name it. Did they send you to award shows, too, or...? Uh, 
the whatever the what's the internet one? Streamies. The Webbies. With the Webbies stream- Streamies. One of them. Yeah. Okay. Shorties. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of what they started utilizing me for was like branded content. Right. So like Captain Morgan was like, we want to do a video with you guys for this. And then they were like, Becky, can you create a character for this? And I was like, 100%. Let's go. Yeah. So we would travel. We would, eat, we would eat steak. It was like the best thing ever. <laughs> I was like, this is so plush. We're eating steak and I get to put on a wig. I'm fucking dead. So I did that for a while. And then I auditioned for Wild and Out. And I got on. And I, I, I had to leave Funny or Die for a while. I was like, I gotta go, and then I went be on the regular TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead of the internet TV, I'm going to the regular TV. Yeah, and Wild and Out doesn't really have a lot of women on, so I got like 20 episodes or something crazy. Nice. It was what wild. Was your, what was your freestyle rap experience before Wild and Out? Well, there were these shows that um, this guy named Chris was putting on called Comedy Rap Battle, I, I guess. Okay. Um, and he would do them at the improv in the comedy store, and I always did them because they were so fun. Okay. And it's there's nothing more fun. Like, comics, we love to roast each other and be like, you're fat and ugly, and you have no tits, and whatever, you know? <laughs> but to do it with a beat, that's even, even more fun. So I did all of them, and then a couple of them I, like, really... <laughs> what? Oh, Yeah. 2019, baby. <laughs> yeah, we record everything. Oh, God. So, Sorry. So you, you would go to these rap battles. Yeah, and the then I started, comics. like, dominating them. <laughs> because comics would come and they wouldn't prepare. And I, like, right. I would, like, really prepare. <laughs> like, always I remember roasting, like... me when people don't prepare for, like, a I know. roast battle. It took, like, two seconds, too. It was, like... I remember one night, it was, like, Melissa Villasenor... Uh, a couple guys that were like southern comics with long hair mm-hmm. that were just easy targets <laughs> and I won like every one of them mm-hmm. and then I went to audition for Wild and Out and I wore this little baby blue do-rag <laughs> that was created during the LaMarcus and Gentry times Okay. Uh, that I later comics really uh, said some mean things to me about uh Cultural appropriation wise, uh, that sucked. But I was you, just were you doing, doing it. a character, also, or no? Yeah, it was a character named okay. Little Pickles. Little Pickles. <laughs> uh, Obviously, it was a fucking character. <laughs> no, I'm not going on as myself and fucking wearing a do rag. I mean, before we continue, yeah, my name's Becky, and I'm in a blue do rag, bitch. Now maybe I'd do that. Do you uh, have an affinity for pickles? Okay. I live for pickles. Okay. So being little pickles was not a stretch. No. Okay. I love pickles. So because they're so dude heavy, you get to be front and center for 20 episodes. Basically, yeah. Did that Uh, result in any immediate offers out of that? Well, toward the end of the circuit, uh, some agencies took interest, and my manager was like, hey, these people want to meet with you, yada, yada. So the meetings got set. I signed with ICM toward the end of uh, Wild and Out. And then um, we worked together for a while, and just ultimately I just kind of got the vibe that they, like, didn't get me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I didn't communicate well enough, but either way, it wasn't working. So when I got uh, Just for Laughs, I left them and went to CAA because Andy Farrig was a, a really good friend and someone I had known. Like, I I know that, like, Asians are supposed to be, like, like, a lot of people say you're not even supposed to talk to your agents. Your manager does that. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not how I work. I'm sorry. It's not. Like, everyone that I work with is needs to be, like, family. I will talk to them on the toilet. I will talk to them while I have diarrhea. It needs to be open. Business never sleeps. Mm-hmm. Paper chase never stops. 
So. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you need to have a really good agent. You gotta have a good agent. In, I heard that in from terms, Mel Brooks. In terms of Mel Brooks. I heard that from Mel Brooks. <laughs> if you don't have a good agent, you don't have anything. Yeah. So, so okay, so you switch agencies. So I go to Montreal. Uh, yeah, Andy kind of assembles a team, and they like were super jacked on my ski character, Susie Chapsick, which I loved. I love doing her, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any more time, but. I can tell the story of how that character came to be. It was pretty sad. Why sad? Not sad. Oh. Just I told it before on radio, and I can tell the radio guys are like, "That wasn't funny." <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? But Susie Chapstick is so, a real person. Oh, it's a real person. Susie. So her real name is Susie Chaffee. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Susie Chapstick is. What she became, she was like the original influencer mm-hmm. for Chapstick. Oh, okay. And my dad's friend claims he dated her, but I think he's lying. <laughs> um, but basically, my mom, I told you, my mom has had breast cancer, had a brain tumor. Yeah. All this shit. She's a fucking champ, dude. And she, her doctors basically told her, we think, because she kept like coughing and getting really sick, and they were like, we think your cancer is back. She had her tits cut off and everything. And they were like, we think your cancer's back. So I flew home. She had these, the doctor appointment set up to find out if it was for sure coming back or not. And um, my dad had to be out of town for work. And so she was, like, alone. And I, and I know she was freaking out. She was like, my sister told me, like, she's not okay. She's, like, she's at home alone. Basically about to find out, like, am I going to die or not? Right. So I, um, I booked a flight home, and um, um, surprised her. The story has a happy ending. (laughs) 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 And the doctors, like, wouldn't tell her what was going on. Mm-hmm. She kept going and she was like, just tell me what, just tell me, like, fucking tell me what I have. Like, the doctor was like on fucking vacation in Costa Rica or some shit. <laughs> oh, like, man. Not a good time for suspense. So we load into the car. Mm-hmm. I put on the song Move Bitch by Ludacris. I'm not kidding. I was like, Sinbad, we are going to figure this out. <laughs> give a fuck. I'm going to march. I'm going to kick down the fucking door. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out if you're dying or not. <laughs> um, so we go in. Uh-huh. Finally, this little fuck stick comes out. He's like, apologizes head over heels. But he's like, we messed up everything. We read all of your things wrong. Oh, my goodness. Your cancer is not back. You're okay. Oh, my goodness. You did, you did warn me that the story was sad. You did warn. You warned all of us. <laughs> like, the fact that I'm crying at a bar in New York is not okay. No, that's what New York is for. New York is the city where you can cry in a bar. You can cry on the subway. New York is the city of 8 million crying people. They're not all crying at the same time. Are your parents alive? They are. God, I'm so scared for them to go, you know? Anyways. Well, at least least they know you're verified on Instagram. At the end of the day, they're yeah. they're slightly proud, so that's okay. <laughs> they're, slight, they're slightly proud because their little their little accident girl has gotten on the TV. It's she's got so, a good agent. She's been on the TV. It's so weird the things that make them proud. I'm like constantly shocked. Um, there's this guy named Andrew Wantuck. Mm-hmm. 
who's worked for Daniel Tosh for like forever. My dad and his dad are like best friends. Oh. And apparently my dad like heard to the grapevine through Andrew Rontuck that I was like really funny and doing really well. Mm-hmm. And that was like everything to them. Like forget TV stuff, forget anything. Once they heard that, they were like, oh, okay. Get the stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck you guys. From Andrew's dad. Yeah. You can't hear it from me. Never. Nothing I say. So, all right. Where were we? Sorry for crying. Oh, my God. I'm such a your, pussy. Your sorry. Mom, I'm on my period, thought, and I, I'm sorry. You thought your mom was going to die, but it turns out she's not. So, we went night skiing to celebrate. Oh, okay. I went to Goodwill in Tigard, Oregon. Uh-huh. And I, I went to the sports section, <laughs> and I found this little one-piece suit. I found two, actually. The other one's a little weird. Uh-huh. I found this one-piece blue suit that's now Susie Chapstick's ensemble. has unicorns on the back. <laughs> it was in the kids' section. Of course. Well, yeah. Thank goodness you're petite. <laughs> At the time. <laughs> I'm thickening out. Thick with two Cs. With every day. Such, um, where's so- that going? <laughs> uh, sorry, I just saw pizza. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pizza roll by. So the birth of um, Susie Chapstick yes. came out. Okay, of so I find this. Brush with so death. I go down to Goodwill. Mm-hmm. I buy some ski suits. I come home. We drive up to the mountains together. Me and my mom and my sister lives in Portland too. She's an ER nurse, and uh, I put on the suit. And then when we were in like the boot lodge or whatever, mm-hmm. I, uh, someone started playing like Van Halen or Molly Crew or something, and I started like fake moguling and like uh-huh. I had we I had wigs I brought wigs home because I, I was like I was just gonna ask if you had wigs I was like this is potentially gonna be the gnarliest trip home ever uh-huh. so I brought a bunch of wigs okay just in case like I was like I just want to be here to cheer my mom up whatever happens happens so I brought a Good bunch of wigs for any co- comedian or even a non-comedian have some wigs with you at all times you never know where you're going to need some mood changing dude wigs. always bring wigs you never know when you have to go incognito or put on a performance. Yes. Or if you just don't feel like being yourself, which honestly, sometimes we have to escape. <clears throat> yeah. Wh- don't do drugs. Do wigs. Exactly. That's that's how you change your mood. Exactly. Changes everything. So we get to like the boot lodge and I start moguling around. They started filming me to like Van Halen and mm-hmm. that's when she was created. Fantastic is a... Integral piece of the show. Of Snoke Circus. Yes. She's the bulk of the show. She, so I, I started, I started doing her like a lot in LA. Mm-hmm. I started doing stand-up as Susie. And what I found was that, and maybe just because I'm a pussy or like underdeveloped or not that good of a comic yet, mm-hmm. but what I found that when I was her, I could say what I wanted to say and not care. Uh, I think there's something about the way you look and the way people want you to sound and talk that I don't, I hate that I hate. And I think, you know... Yeah, you mentioned that even... Amy, like, I think that's why Amy days. Schumer came to be what she was. She mm-hmm. was a character and she's she has said that. And I... I am... I, I like to... S- talk about real life shit but I feel like the way I look and my name sometimes doesn't match it oh Becky with the good hair exactly you see how good my fucking hair yeah, looks right really, now your, your regular hair no wig it's Dude, iconic really nice I'm jealous <laughs> yeah I see you staring at my head <laughs> we're self aware <laughs> Skynet has become self-aware. I just looked at his head for a little too long and he noticed. <laughs> Sean, okay, so you've got so, a putting green on your head. So you realized, <laughs> and the so, rest is an island in the Bahamas. <laughs> so you realized that your head is the Bahamas. Sorry. So you realized that doing stand-up in character felt more natural to you than. Than doing stand up the way I felt like I could say what I wanted to say, and I could say it with more power than I would say it as myself. So I kept doing it. And then I got to the point where I was like, fuck, I'm scared to be myself again on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt a little lost, and I was like, 
who even am I? Mm-hmm. And then I finally fucking realized I'm not one person. And none of us are. We're all a thousand little things. We contain multitudes. Yes. Like, we're all so influenced by the people we see, the people we meet, you know? Mm-hmm. The experiences we have, our family, our lovers, our fuck partners. I didn't mean to say that was so much... Lean into the hard consonants? Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know what I mean? So, um... So... I was like, I'm gonna... I wanna... I have to build this into a show. Because I hate what I'm doing on the road. I don't want to be just myself. I can do backflips. I can sing. I can do voices. I love my wigs. How can I make this into a show and figure it out? And you're and finally so, doing it now. Yes. Snow Circus is your first yes. full show. Full length show. Yep. So and the tour is starting now. Yes, tour is starting now. And I can't tell you how much I jizz when I packed four fake bags of Michael's store purchased snow <laughs> into my suitcase. I hate checking bags. I never check bags. It's like, as comics, you just travel and you're like, whatever. Right. And I don't have status because I have... I'm not good at things yet, but I'm working on it. It's a process. So I have to pay for every check bag. Mm-hmm. But, like, checking that bag full of snow and this giant fake prop... Like, packing a bag full of props and wigs, I was just like... And just the messages I get from people that are like, they're going through so much shit. Everyone's mm-hmm. in so much fucking pain. And the fact that, like, I know that I can bring this shit for them and we can all have a good night together makes me jizz so hard. So is 2020 going to be the year of Snow Circus? Are you going to tour all year or what's the plan? Yeah. For now. Okay. I know you've. I know you've. Uh, I just got some little Geppetto offer for some Netflix show that's like supposed to be a stand-up competition show, which I fucking hate. But they're telling me it's good exposure, so we'll see. Well, I know you've also been through the development deal. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. So my show, we're, we're repitching my show January, starting January first. Okay, and that's to like Netflix, Quibi, HBO, all the shits. Um, All I want to do is make people happy. <laughs> like, people need a fucking breather. And I want to bring it to them. And that's it. You know? And it it clearly could not happen with E. They Their notes were so fucked up. It was like, this is never going to work. Ever. Well, well networks are finagling and struggling anyways trying to figure out where what their standing is and what to do with streaming and stuff anyway so i'm so glad i learned so much though in those two i cried so much in those two years i felt so alone i like i had no idea what i was doing i felt like i had no one to talk to i had no female mentors because a lot of females in comedy don't help each other which i i hope is something that we can change Moving forward. Yeah, I hope so. Too. And I feel like it is changing now, but like it is tough. And, um. Well, you have your Cheetah Girls. The Cheetah Girls, thank God. And I have you, Sean. Oh. And your pink shirt and your good smile. And my putting green. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> it's Honestly, all good. it's not a putting green because it's too long. <laughs> It's literally, it's a tidal wave. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm forecasting a tidal wave of comedy coming from Becky Robinson in the year 2020. You do? I do. Because we make life so complicated, and you remind us that it's, it's, okay. it's much simpler than that. Yeah. People want to be loved. People want to laugh connect they want to know everything's gonna be okay yeah and sometimes and people need a break they want love they want laughter they want connection they want relatability and and oh god i just want to hug everyone but if one more motherfucker grabs my ass last night this little geppetto Uh at the cellar grabbed my ass and i was like "Ugh, i'll cut you sorry i shouldn't have said that 
<laughs> but I'm triggered. <laughs> it pissed me off because I recently fell in love. So when someone uh. grabbed, if, if not, when someone grabbed my ass, I would have been like, hell yeah, let's fuck. But last night I was like, absolutely, this is off limits. Susie's chapstick would not approve. Susie would have cut a motherfucker across the throat. Soprano style. Well, Becky. Okay, so 2020. Yeah. Snow Circus. The name might change of the show. I don't know. I'm figuring it out. But for now, it's four characters. My director told me she thinks she should cut the part where I play myself. (laughs) (laughs) Not even kidding. We love the characters. Drop Becky. She literally goes, I don't think you need to do yourself. (laughs) And you know what? Maybe you don't. But then when I meet people after the show, what do I do? Uh, you get a good agent. Mel, if you have a good Mel, agent. stop. You have a good agent, you're set. After the show, what do I meet people in? Which wig? None. Who says you meet people? Be an enigma. Be a great Oh, spelly. have people sell my merch for me? No, I like to do meet and greets. I want to hug everyone. Oh. I want to kiss everyone on the mouth. I'm not That's kidding. That's you can be yourself. Okay, so full good hair? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, okay. Go look. This is me. Thank you for loving all of me. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we had this chat, Becky. I love you, Sean. Oh, I love you, too. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.